Welcome to They That Hope with Father Dave and Deacon Bob, seeing humor and hope in a crazy, crazy world. world. And I'm Deacon Bob. That was excellent timing. I mean, right then. Boom. You, boom. It's almost like yeah. we've been doing this for almost 100. 90 what? 91. 91. 91 episodes. I, somebody pointed out at the conference that we need to change our, um, our little thing that says with Father, because now it says Father Dave and Bob. Oh. It has, it has yet to uh, be right. updated. Okay. My, my, my cartoon icon has yet to be ordained. By the marketing and communications department. Speaking and I knew of that, we were going there. Speaking of that, all right. So this weekend was the alumni reunion, which was great. We had about, which was lovely. Blah blah blah. So I'm praying <laughs> in the port, and somebody kneels before me, and has a well, shirt. No, they on. don't kneel before you. They kneel in front they, of they, you. They, it's There's same a, thing. No, it's it not. is the exact same it thing. It is not. They were before. They were I learned this of, front, far, near. I learned that of, with Grover. In front of. So. Uh, there's a picture of you, our logo, okay, our logo without me on it, and that's so the what character, they used. the characterization of us, of right. well, of me, of you. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. that's the point. They took our logo and they made it all about you. It's like I felt like that scene in Monsters Incorporated where it was Sully and Mike Wazowski, and they're on the cover of the magazine, and they put like the uh, barcode in front of Mike Wazowski's face. That's how I felt at that moment. It made me sad. I saw I saw that going. I saw you going there too. Yeah. So <laughs> so we had a reunion uh, weekend. Obviously, this uh, weekend we had I think three hundred and eighty, three hundred forty people, something like that. I think around a hundred adults and two hundred and seventy children. <laughs> Honestly, Bob, it was it was fantastic. Yeah. There were so many kids. It was just yeah, it was fantastic. Did you uh, not expect that amount of kidness? Was there like at least like inflatable slides or something for them to do or um there were all kinds of like game activities right. and chocks and and a pig and roast. bubbles and a pig roast and food and snacks yeah. and all that kind of thing uh, and and beer and wine for the parents which was i think greatly appreciated yeah yeah but um no so the the, the university the alumni had office had a shirt that said you know alumni reunion 75th party with the president and it had that image so I'm I don't know I'm sitting at the friary minding my own business and I get this text from Bob that takes a picture of the guy sitting in front of him mm. with the, the image that's on our podcast and he was needless to say peeved peeved it ruined my prayer time <laughs> oh jeez <laughs> so sad it is so sad so sad so there's a pig roast yeah. Was it like an actual like pig on a spigot spinning around? I think they cooked it in one of those it's like a hot box or something like that, but the head of the pig with an apple in his mouth was there. Classy. Yeah. Classy. It was actually it was really the the food was great. The Parkhurst, the group that does the food, they did a great job. Yeah. Now, honestly, I think everyone had a really wonderful time. It was very simple. Mm-hmm. Liturgy, I give a talk. We had a holy hour. We gathered and, and Bob joined us and, and sang a song or two down at Bennigan's. Uh, which was great. John Paul Von Arks, did you see? So he did a concert down there, and he put on it, you know, concert, 9 o'clock, family friendly. And I, I said, John Paul. So what does that mean, family friendly? I mean, As opposed to like the uh, profanity-laced concerts that, that right, John Paul right, normally that, Exactly, does. exactly, you know. <laughs> which, by the way, if you know John Paul, he, that's not at all him. I, he was trying to say... F- kids are welcome. Kids are welcome, yeah, 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 but yeah. he did end up saying family friendly as if maybe... 
his other stuff is yeah, more risque. Was, that's I what I said. I said, well, it, finally you're doing a family-friendly thing. Right, I can go just, to this one. It was really fun. You know, I couldn't go to the previous ones. It was really wonderful to see uh, oh, yeah. a lot of people uh, people back in town. And there was a, there was quite a spread of alumni. I mean, it, it was... I mean, yeah, gosh, I like at least from every every three or four years. I mean, it, it wasn't just like, oh, this, like, this one group from 98 showed up. It was really right, right. everybody think, across the board. I think the, the oldest was somebody who graduated in 66. So yeah. you do the math. I mean. No, that, I will not. <laughs> that's a good point. That's a really, really good point. Yeah. Yeah. So it was it was a great, a great day. And I think everybody had a really, really good time. Yeah. Well, that kind of works as our Franciscan plug. <laughs> Because it was a great weekend. It was. Franciscan University. So last week, I actually want to talk about baseball. I, I, I brought this up. I want to bring this up. Um, is it Juan Soto? Yeah. So last week, we mentioned in the podcast that Juan Soto, who is a baseball player for the Washington Nationals, was offered the largest contract in the history of baseball. Um, I think the total number, but not because yearly. it was it was fifteen years. Yeah, but so not maybe yearly, maybe right. not yearly, but he was offered a whopping how much money? Do you know? Well, you know, again, a lot. A guy's got to be able to support his family, and he's yeah. a little frustrated with it. Right, it was only and the DC is expensive area to live. It's a pricey area to live. You know, really the metro prices get go really up expensive. about a quarter every year. It was four hundred and forty million dollars. Mm, okay, uh-huh. so that's uh-huh. you know, at over fifteen years though. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, I mean, it's not time. like yeah. it's that's a really it's long. Not like time. the rest of his life. Yeah. So um, we had mentioned that last week, and then this week he turned it down. Yeah. Yeah. He said, "Man's got to live." No, and it's honestly, it's it's really, it's his agent, I'm sure, who's Scott yeah. Boris, who's one of, not one of, he's the most influential, powerful agent in Major League Baseball. Oh. And yeah, he's, he didn't like the fact that it was 15 years. He didn't like the fact that the, it's not the largest individual year contract. Oh, and okay. The thing is, is the Nationals. Did, can, it, did it have anything to do with the fact that he doesn't want to play with the Nationals? Well, it could. It might have something to do with that. I don't know. I mean, he won the World Series with them. Maybe it. Maybe it does. I mean, they're horrible this year. They're the last last place in the entire major leagues. That was weird. It was like this this UFO was landing. Did you mm, hear that? I did. Yeah. Okay. There was, was a car outside. Okay. It was very similar. Yeah. Um, but the thing is, is he's now going to be. The Nationals control him, so he can't go to another team for, I think, another two years. So if they want to, they can just say, listen. I mean, he's making something like $6 million a year right now, so it's not mm-hmm. like he's just yeah, he's just squeak, squeaking by. <laughs> but the Nationals want, I think, five top players with future draft choices. and To just, trade him or something. Right, to yeah. trade him. It's just a question who's willing to pay that. But the, some of the teams they're talking about are the Yankees might do it. It's like, that's what just drives me crazy. It's like, I hate the Yankees. Yeah, those who have. Do you hear how the Red Sox did this? I actually don't. I just feel like that's what everybody says. Yeah, did you hear Yankees. about the Red Sox? I hate the Red Sox. They played the Jays the other day. The score was 28 to 5. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That's awesome. By the way, I also don't hate the Red Sox. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You've got to like the Red Sox. I don't I really have to like anybody, but I, I do like the Cubs. Is your family back yet? Uh, they're coming back today, okay. which I'm very excited about. Okay. So it's kind of weird to be at the house um, without. So you're alone. My, no, my uh, Bobby's there, my third oldest son, okay. who's 19, and then my daughter Eliana, who's 17. Oh, that's right. I saw Eliana is, the is there. Night. So, yeah, sure. so that's kind of fun. But it is very quiet in the house. 
Mostly because my wife isn't there. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. people are like, oh, it's so quiet without the kids. I'm like, it's not, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's not yeah, the kids. Yeah. But what's really weird is I, I tremendously miss Rosie, my dog. Isn't that great? It, I mean, it's lovely. I mean, you but miss your family too. I'm, of course and, I miss uh, my family. And I did lead with that. And I know Jen will be listening to, to this. And uh, I just want to make that clear. That out there but like, you. I'm surprised, you know, like I walk in the front door. Yeah. And I don't have to immediately close it. Yeah. Because there's Somebody's no dog that's going to say hello. Out. And even like in the morning when I pray, like there's like the little Rosie and I have this pattern because I get up to pray. And so she pops her head up and then she follows me into my office. And I got her little dog bed that's uh, okay. Boba Fett themed. She says a quick prayer. She does. She just sits there while I pray. And even now it's like I look up praying and there's like an empty dog bed. No, there's something about a dog that's very comforting. And yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I had a conversation with one of the TOR sisters yesterday about dogs and cats. She can, it's just beyond her. That an individual just couldn't love cats. Really? Yeah. Do you don't like cats? Well, I was a, I was very allergic to cats, yeah. so I never had an opportunity to have a cat that I would bond with. Yeah. That being said, can they're you, all evil. Yeah, I was gonna say, can you really bond with a cat? And I know right now people <laughs> out there are just turning us off. It's like we put up a lot with ninety-two what? episodes, but <laughs> this right. is it. This is it. This cat is the haters. straw that broke the camel's back. Hey, I'm a catechist. I don't hate cats. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, wait. Yeah. Oh, darn it. I, you know, I, sh- I need to have these more up. Yeah. Right. yeah, it's too late. I mean, No, 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 okay. no, no, I can't. You're, you're what? You're a... Catechist. Thank you. Wow. That was so unsatisfying. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It really was. But so I told, yeah, that famous scene from Meet the Parents about if you love a dog or a cat or what kind of person you are, but... I just, mm, no thanks. I love dogs. They're fantastic. Yeah, I am more of a dog person than a cat person. Yeah. But I do, it's funny, like my bass player, Dan Bozak, huge cat person. And um, All right. there is a reason why, like, did you ever see the Dogs versus Cats movie? I'm just thinking, I wouldn't have seen it if I didn't have children. Yeah, I missed that one. So, um, uh, anyway, the cats were the evil people, usually. Were they? Yeah, and the dogs were the, the heroes. It was very, very biased. Just saying. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, exactly. You know, I was thinking something else. What was I thinking? You know what you get when you spell dog backwards? God. Exactly. Exactly. But does that mean they're the opposite of? or they? No, just... it means that it's the sign of God's love for us. Oh, that's beautiful. Thanks. And that's what dyslexics worship. I am, I am a dogicist. Hmm. I was anyway. thinking another thing that's different of our lives, and what was the phrase? <laughs> well, this should, we don't um, have time for this. I know, no, no, no. It was, oh, you know what a phrase that you never uh, probably hear in the friary, but I hear all the time in my house? How do I look? Oh, yeah. I mean, between my daughters or my wife, like, it's, it's people, how do I look? How do I look? Why would they do that? Well, because they want to know how they look. They're looking for affirmation on how they look. But they just kind of put it out there, huh? Well, because they've got an outfit on okay. or something, and they say, right. how do I look? Daddy, how do I how look? Often does honey, Bob how do say I look? That? Well, Bob does not say it. Oh, okay. it. It is often, well, actually, the few times I say it, see, whenever my wife says, how do I look? I really, I do this crazy thing. I look at her, oh. which is not what my wife does. <laughs> when I, I'll say, how do I look? And like two, you know, two rooms down, I'll hear, you look fine. I'm yeah. like, you're not even in the same room. You're supposed to come and just see what I'm wearing and make sure I don't look like a total idiot. Yeah. So. Yeah, you're right. Um, I don't think a friar's ever said that in the friary. Like they kind of are adjusting their habit and yeah, they're yeah. like, do I look do fat I, do, in this do outfit? I look okay. Yeah, do exactly. Okay? Is this slimming? <laughs> right. Yeah. Though it is. But I will say like Father Jonathan St. Andrew, this actually the habit I have now is starting to get a hole or two, but. 
um, a while ago. That's because it's holy. All right, so there we go. So a while ago, Father Jonathan was looking. He goes, Father Dave, you need to. I mean, there are holes all <laughs> over my habit. And there's some people that, like, put these patches on, and I don't know. It no. Just, no, exactly. It's just no. like, see how Franciscan right. I am because yeah, I can have six patches. Like, just get it fixed. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, anyway. especially as the president of a yeah, that's university. right, that's right, that's like, right. Have a little dignity, bro. That's right. Yeah, that's, that's, right. that's, that's oh, good. That's so good. your family's gonna be coming back, and that's great. Yeah, I'm really excited about that. So, recording this on Monday. Are you done for the summer? Going anywhere or? Well, this weekend we have uh, applied biblical studies and defending the faith, and I'm sure maybe this is another plug. I'm sure there's some kind of live stream thing happening this weekend. As this gets released on Wednesday, and defending the faith is this weekend with yeah. Scott Hahn yep. and and his friends, yep, yep, really, and his all star band. So uh, that's the end of the summer conference season for myself and and the worship team. And I'm really last summer come okay. Put you on the spot. Okay, and, and, and I'm ready. Don't have a lot of time to think about it because right. this is going good. Highlight conference this summer, like one a moment or. Well, I would easily say the moments were when I got to do a homily at Power and Purpose and when I got to do a homily at Priest Deacon Seminarians. Okay, oh, that cool. was That was awesome. Another, again, these are all like diaconal things because yeah, yeah, they're sure, new. Sure. When I got to host the youth conferences in St. Louis and Rochester, um, the host does a thing Saturday morning where they explain what the liturgy is. Well, it timed out really well that there was 20 minutes of worship and then the liturgy explanation and then a song and then mass. So I actually was the deacon of the word for the Saturday liturgy, which means I had time to vet, you know, get vested right, and right, come right. out in my dalmatics. And, and it was really awesome explaining yeah. the liturgy yeah, dressed cool. for the liturgy. Those things were those things were special. That's cool. Real quick, Ben's ordination. Amazing. So for many of you who are praying, I mean, it was literally this time last year. Yep. Uh, I remember I was in St. Louis, actually, once again, hosting a conference, looking at my texts, wondering if at any moment they would say Ben had passed away. Yep. I mean, he was on death's door. And this last Saturday, uh, Ben Gessler got to be ordained as a permanent deacon for the Diocese of Steubenville. That's and it was, it was awesome. So the, the, our diaconate class ended up just being myself, Ben, and Mike Welker. Mike and I got ordained last November, and what a joy it was. So Mike was the deacon of the altar. I was the deacon of the Word. That's cool. And we just got to be a part of that celebration, and praise God. It was, That's great. It was absolutely amazing. So That's awesome. We all got ordained. Woo! It's done. It is. Giddy up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So another thing that's happening today, I mentioned earlier it was Monday. Well, we let's talk about the church for a little bit, because we'll, we're going to get to Pope Francis's trip to Canada, yeah. uh, which you will likely hear more about. If you're paying attention. If you're paying attention. Maybe you're being uh, informed of it. I imagine it's going to hit the news cycles of whatnots. And by Wednesday, he'll have actually said something or done something. I think we're just talking about it in principle. But another church thing, uh, Germany. And the synodal way. Yes. Well, can we really, 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 really quick? Oh, yeah, Okay, sure. so we're recording today, which is the Feast of St. James, which is, I always have a special affinity with the Camino. So happy oh, Feast right, of St. James. Oh, right, because that's the cathedral where the Camino ends. Right, is that exactly, correct? Right, exactly, the burial place of St. James. And there's a big bell there? Um, no, there's a big incenser. Oh, it's okay. Massive incensing, literally massive. It flies throughout the whole church. It's really cool. Hmm. And then and then tomorrow, granted people are listening to this yesterday, um, is is Saint Jo um, Saint Joachim and Anne, and I just love the grandparents uh. of, of of Jesus, and yeah, just the images of that are really cool. So a lot going on, yes, but the 
it, it's it's in many ways there's just such great difficulty. I was going to say it's called a, it's a train wreck in Germany, but <laughs> but there really is. There's just such a great. I don't great, know what dumpster fire yeah, is in Germany. Right, yeah, it would but, probably but, be very long word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just really a mess right there. You know, a large percentage of the bishops really questioning fundamental teachings of the church, and yeah. as if they have this ability to just kind of do whatever they want. And the Vatican, obviously, with the Holy Father, came out and said, "You can't do that. Yeah. And, you know, it's not your place to just." have new doctrine, create new doctrine, or change church teaching, or change church structure. Right. They said, it's not within your power. So, I mean, it, it was interesting, because I saw this come out, and I was looking for this, you know, multi-page document about, and it was, I think it's two paragraphs. It's just saying, stop. I mean, <laughs> right. Really, but even that, you know, we were talking about this earlier, it's, it doesn't matter what the Pope does. And, and people can have opinions about the Pope, yeah. but we still need to offer him charity and, and but it doesn't matter what he does. There's people that are mad. It's, no, you should have done this. You shouldn't right. have done this. You should have done this a long time ago. It's kind of like, what do you do? Every, it doesn't matter what you do. There's a certain population that are going to be so frustrated with him. But I thought it was it was timely. It was well done. We actually have a woman who works for us. She's just fantastic. She's a, a yeah, two, right. two PhDs, and she teaches for us in Gaming, and she's from Germany. And it's just been interesting. And she was a part of the Senate until she tapped until out. Until she tapped because out. Because she just said, this is crazy. Right. And this isn't going anywhere. And right. it's not only not going anywhere, it's, it's going in the very much the wrong direction, which made a lot of news media, even in the States, but really a lot in the Germany, because she's one of the, the Germany. She's uh, the Ukraine. <laughs> right. she's, she's one of the you know few uh, female theologians there. Uh, and she was just really pleased about this, pleased that, that the Holy Father put this out there and brought some clarity to it. So we'll see what difference it makes, right. but it was a really, it was a long overdue, so I was, I was glad that it happened. You might be familiar, some of you listening with... Uh, the Pope. Very, the Pope, no, various dioceses, all of, at least I know in Steubenville, but we had all been participating in some listening sessions, the Synod on Synodality, mm-hmm. and the critique of the Vatican was really about this isn't this isn't what synodality is supposed to be. Uh, you know, the, the idea of it really came out of the Synod on Youth, where so many bishops had direct contact with young adults sharing and talking. And, you know, the, the idea behind it was, let's rethink the way the church listens and communicates with people in the world. And, and collaborates. And, co- and collaborates. Yeah. Let's find a greater spirit of collaboration. Uh, let's get more input. Let's not just let it be, you know, just from the top down or bishops and their consultants telling them what people are. They, they, I think there was a genuine desire of the church and of Pope Francis wanting to just open up the doors and have wider conversations mm-hmm. about important issues in the church. It went very wrong in Germany. Well, in many ways, what they were doing is they were kind of like, okay, we have a blank slate. What should we believe? Well, that's not how it starts. That the was, starting point right. is not, you know, that's not how <laughs> right. it starts. Right. Well, and even that's what Fran- Francis, and this is kind of a nuance that we talk about in youth ministry, because even when, like Pope Francis said, we need to do more listening to the young people, sadly, some people immediately bristled and said, well, what do they have to say? You know, they're just going to tell us against church teachings and stuff like that. And Francis's whole vibe was, it's about the dignity of a human person, that if you don't feel listened to, you can never actually be in a conversation with. Mm-hmm. But Francis never insinuated, and we will listen to you, and therefore— Whatever you want. Whatever Tell you want. Tell us what we should do. Right. right. It's like, well, thank you for your perspective. Here's the perspective you know, no, of, of the no, church. We'll take that in and help. Yeah. And it helps. I think it helps us understand where they're coming from and why or what is the things they struggle with. But it's interesting because I, I remember when I was younger dealing with uh, an individual— and he was very frustrated that I 
didn't do what he wanted me to do. Mm. Uh, and he said, I just want you to listen to me. And, and I said to him, just because I'm not doing what you want doesn't mean that I'm not listening. And I think there's an attitude out there that says, if you listen to me, you will do what I want you to do. Right. And that's not the case. That's not what the church is supposed to do. It's not just a question of doing necessarily what somebody wants to do, but it is a question of being able to be heard. Yeah. And that's where that movie, The Wild Go, The King's Voice, is that what it was called? Oh, the um, yes, the Something one like that. where he was giving the talk. Yeah, but just that sense of, of the king's every, speech. This, thank you. But everybody needs to have a voice. They need to be heard. Now that doesn't mean that that the church she can't do necessarily what everybody wants. It's just not the nature of of the church. But we do need to do a better job listening. Yeah. So, amen. The idea was good. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see where it goes. We're praying for the church, and um, you know, it actually makes me really so grateful for our own bishops. You know, it, it's always easy to critique anybody in leadership. And, you know, I usually find somebody critique, you know, we all say, well, well if, I, people, if I was soon, bishop. As soon as you just said that, I'm sure there's people like, oh, I hate our bishops. It's, yeah, just, it's yeah. just unfortunate. Yeah, and that and that can happen. And maybe, again, that bishop is doing things yeah, that you, yeah, you yeah, wouldn't right, do were right, you bishop. But, you know, as a, as a block, as a group, it's a really, uh, you know, I think they're very faithful. I think they're really trying to lead us in exciting ways. I love... Maybe we'll talk about it in another podcast, the Eucharistic revival. Yeah, yeah we need to. Um, that they are that they're working on. I think that's going to be a great gift for the church. And um, yeah, yeah I, I just remember. Pray for you know we do this at every mass, right? We pray for the pope, we pray for the bishops, we right. pray for the leaders. Right. We should do that with great sincerity. Yeah, I remember the the line that you said one time, Bob, about the the priest who said that he disagrees with some of the things that his bishop has done, but he would die for him because yeah. he's his bishop. I mean. That's, there's something to that, that that we need to bear in mind. Yeah, it's in it. I was just talking with Bishop Joe, SBI. Oh, it right, just, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's just such, I mean, being a bishop is just such a hard job. I yeah. mean, if, if anyone has an ounce of empathy, it's just, it's just a really hard job. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, amen. So. Also hard to be the Pope. Eh, whatever. I mean, <laughs> you, you get to travel around. and Dude, I don't think he wants to travel around. No, it's I mean, interesting. he's even, like in a wheelchair. Even with this, there was discussion about in, in kind of the same. We're not talking about his trip to Canada. Yeah, so he's, he's Edmonton, I think, is his first stop. Yep. Um, but I remember when the Holy Father went to Iraq, there was question, you know, should he go for all kinds of things about right. safety and all those kinds of things. And, and he said, no, I need to go. Mm-hmm. This one, there was question of whether or not he was going to go because of health. I mean, he's in a wheelchair. Uh, and and the, his handlers, the people around him said it was that same conviction. He goes, no, I need to go. Yeah, absolutely have to be and there. It's, and it's interesting. They're calling this, the Holy Father's called this a pilgrimage of penance. Mm. And, and one of the things he's doing, and not the only thing that he's doing, but one of the things that he's doing is visiting some areas where there were some schools. Yes. And, and, and I guess over the century... Um, some some abuse had taken place in the schools, and that is right. kind of recently recovered, uh, made known recently. And part of it is, and we were talking about this before, the relationship between Catholic schools, private schools in Canada. You were talking about that. You know, it's, it's a, a little bit different. It's very different. You know, in in the United States, Catholic schools were privately run, but in Canada, and even even to this day, mm-hmm. they are they're all state funded. Which on one hand you think, well, that's actually pretty cool because, you know, I've, I've been to Canada a number of times. I've spoken at a number of Catholic schools. They're as well-funded as a public school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the downside is when you are funded by the government, uh, you do what the government tells you to do in, in, in many ways. Now, that's, that's modern day. I'm not remotely suggesting. Well, though there was in like Some the late the 1800s, part were part of it, right? was, it was abuse in all of the schools, Christian-run 
public. I mean, earlier on, it was all either Christian run or or Catholic run, mm-hmm. which is not an attempt to pass the buck. And in fact, I think the Canadian government has given billions and billions of dollars in reparation uh, to the indigenous people. I think the thing that really turned but it, it's not the other thing that's to bear yeah. in mind. It's it's not just you know the, the abuse, the physical abuse, or mental, but it's also you know their language and and part of the they program was to, to they wanted to, to wipe right, out right right don't yeah, do they, their language. They need to speak French. They right. need to speak English. So that was all a part of it as well. And I know that's even still like being one hundred percent Irish. That's still a hostility because when the English took over Ireland, they they just tried to remove um, yeah, Gaelic, yeah. you know Gaelic, and they tried to do all those things. So sadly. Yeah. We have a history as, of humanity as trying to erase other sure, people's sure. cultures. Yeah, I think it was a couple of years ago, though, that they found hundreds of bodies um, in one of the schools, you know, of just it was unmarked graves. Unmarked yeah, graves. Yeah, yeah. And, and so the whole, the whole episode is incredibly tragic. And Pope Francis had apologized, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I think a couple of years ago. This mm-hmm. was, I think, maybe even right before COVID hit. Yeah. And yeah, so I think that's some right. of that was the timing of him wanting to get to Canada between COVID and then his, his injuries. But it's a beautiful thing. You know, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful thing that he is literally suffering his way through this travel yeah, yeah. Um, in trying to bring some healing and some hope. Yeah, um, I was just struck by folks. just, again, the, the title of it. He said it's a pilgrimage of penance and in, in going there. And I remember when, let's see, would have been around 99 when some of the f- scandals first came out mm-hmm. and they were just kind of beginning to be more public in the United States. I was newly ordained. So maybe it was 98 actually. I was a year or two ordained. And I wrote a letter to all the cardinals in the United States. Oh, you did? I did. <laughs> and I said, uh, this was, I I'm mean, sure, I'm sure they read it. Yeah. But just the cardinals. Yeah. Just yeah. the cardinals. Right. right. And I said, um, we need to pray and fast for this. You know, mm. we need to do reparation for this. And it's funny. Uh, did any reply? Well, that's just it. It's really funny. Most of them did not. One of them replied with, you know, that's that's very nice. Pat me on the head, you know. Because <laughs> I explained, I, mean, I must have been maybe even 97 because I was only doing it for a year or so. Yeah. Cardinal O'Connor wrote me back a handwritten letter from New York. Wow. And first, I'm going to get maybe, maybe get emotional. But first off, honored me for being a young priest and being willing to speak to that. And he said, uh, what I'd suggested is that we as priests take a time of fasting and penance. And he said, I'm going to bring this to my Presbyterian Council, and we'll talk about what we could do, which was really yeah. touching. But it's been, I mean, unfortunately, my whole time as a priest, this has been a part of the history of it. Yeah. You know, Well, the, first off, it's been a part of the history forever. Yeah. You know, people doing really bad, stupid things that are in the church. I remember when I was a student here, Regis Martin had a course. I think the course was church history or ecclesiology or something like that. But one particular class he was speaking that had a deep impact. I Man, I was a 22-year-old kid. Uh, and he said, the church is holy and she is scandalous. Mm. And you've got to be able to reconcile that. And, and that's it's true. I mean, if we look at our history, we've done, the church does... Some of the most beautiful, wonderful, holy, and, and, and what, when we say church, we use this word church, individuals in the church yeah. do some of the most beautiful, holy, sacrificial, wonderful things, and individuals of the church do some of the most horrible things. And, and Regis was saying, you've got to be able to reconcile that. Mm. And then he brought it home, and he said, and one of the ways it, we can help ourselves reconcile that is, that's the story of every human person, you know, that we have within ourselves the capacity to do something beautiful. Um, and, and we have the capacity to do something awful, you know, yeah. and, 
And unfortunately, the, uh, and you, you mentioned the media and how the media are playing this. It's really crazy because one of the one of the, inter- the indigenous individuals they interviewed that was really really beautiful. She said, she said, I need to be honest. My time in these schools was beautiful, and I think back about it. And it was it was really the, she was there for ten years. She says it's the most beautiful ten years of my life. But she goes, I don't know if it was for my brother because we never talked much about it. You yeah. know, she said that my brother eventually became an alcoholic, and she was saying, and, and he ended up passing. She goes, was that a part of it? He never said it, but did something happen? And then the other thing that was really interesting was one of the individuals said, um, they said, what do you think about the Holy Father coming here to repent? Uh, and he it, again, this was his opinion. Okay, um, this was an indigenous. An indigenous. Person, yeah. He said, I don't think it's it's his job to repent. It's the individuals who caused the harm. Now, I, 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 I can appreciate that sentiment, but again, Bob and I both remember this. In 2002, I believe, when everything had blown up with what was going on in Boston with the scandals. Um, and, and I can't, yeah, I can't express as a priest how difficult that is, mm-hmm. you know, that, that people look at me and what I represent. And, and when one of my brother priests does something, or bishop, yeah, although I'm not bishop, obviously, uh, it just, I can't tell you what that what that does to us. But we had made a decision, Bob was part of the team, that we were going to repent to the young people at every conference, at every youth conference. And and to this day, I've been doing the conferences for 25 years. It was, it's one of the most moving experiences I had in, in getting up in front of the young people and on behalf of priests, repenting for what had happened to them and to some of them. And mm-hmm. at every conference, you know, I had... a unfortunately, more than one kid who would come up and talk to me. And, and interestingly, not always with a priest. I remember one kid, it was it was a family situation, and then he was abused. But even that hearing, you know, the repentance for, for being hurt. But I remember the conference specifically in South Carolina. I had said to the bishop, I think it was Bishop Brennan. I don't know. Who, who used to be in Charleston, but there was in South Carolina. Um, I had said to him, you know, this is what I've been doing, Bishop, uh, and I'm happy to do it. And, and he said, no, he goes, I want to do it. And there was something really powerful to seeing a bishop in front of 2,500 kids repenting on behalf of the church and on behalf of priests and bishops uh, for the things that have been done. It just, yeah, it continues to, to break my heart. And, and, you know, we've been doing this long enough. We, we both know people whose yeah. accusations were made against them, and, and so, you know, some of them did some awful things. And, again, it, it that, that woman's, her quote really struck me, but... It doesn't mean that everything that they did was horrible. You yeah. know, that, so that goes back to this Regis Martin thing is, is that we have the possibility to be holy and we have the possibility to be scandalous. And we, we've got to be able to reconcile that. Yeah. As that, you know, list came out and his names were being named, you know, and, you know, you, you had the same experience as I did, uh, maybe even more so. But just seeing priests yeah. who spoke at conferences yeah, and yeah. who you knew personally or you did ministry with and saw them do wonderful things and say wonderful things and and treat you lovingly and then you see their name something else was going on, on that list. you never imagined and it is um yeah it's it is that it is the challenge to reconcile all mm-hmm. that because you on one hand you want to just say well then clearly they were fake and everything they did was ingenuine and you know but uh, yeah i think you know that that challenge that Regis said is good because in our own lives you know are are we defined by the worst of what we no, do, no. or are we a mess, like a, a mixed a mixed yeah. bag of of humanity? And that's never to just say, oh, well, we're all sinners, so no big. Like, no, those kinds of egregious actions sure. um, 
I mean, you'd say unforgivable, but you're not, you don't say that as Catholics, no, 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 right? No, but no. it's so, those are really, really hard. And, you know, I, I think particularly as a dad, um, you know, it, it gives you such a different, a different perspective. I mean, I'd known some people that had, that had suggested that maybe, you know, particularly in that first round of, um, you know, the charters they were working mm-hmm. on in safe environment, that there wasn't a lot of lay people that were involved in that. And, you know, one, and, you know, the, the first time they did it, they had like all these loopholes for bishops. And sadly, we, mm-hmm. we learned through Cardinal sure. McCarrick's situation and they tightened those up. But I remember somebody saying, you know, if there had been a few dads or a few moms mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on that first group, mm-hmm. they would have, they would have been very the different. It would have looked different. It yeah, would have absolutely. looked different because it's absolutely. like, it's not an abstract. But it goes, it goes back to what know. we were saying earlier is that those voices need to be heard. Yeah. 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 I remember when, when that list, you know, that list that came out in the early aughts, the early 2000s, um, a student came up to me and her pastor was on that, a previous pastor was yeah. on that list. And she, she was crying and she was hurt, but she was also trying to reconcile. She said, Father, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for him. Yeah. You know? It was through his ministry and through his that I gave my life to the Lord. And she shared that. And she was just, you could just see her in her mind and her heart trying to reconcile this. And that's, again, go back to what Regis said, is that that's the challenges. We've got to be able, we've seen people who have managed that well. And, and rightly so, people are angry, rightly so. I mean, believe me, I get that. But there has to be a way of letting the Lord into that yeah. and, and, and bringing healing. And, and that's what the Holy Father said, is that his desire is this pilgrimage of penance would be bring, be restored and bring about this healing that, that he desires. And the healing needs to happen as much just for us. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, I mean, yeah. to in any situation, holding on to hate, holding on to anger, holding on to blame, you know, it just doesn't... Not that all of those don't need to be dealt with. Yeah, no, 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 right, no, right, no, right. absolutely. But, but you can't stay there. But yeah, exactly. You know, the, I, you know the, when the Lord is asking us to forgive others, he's not just asking it for the sake of others. He's asking it for the sake of ourselves. Yeah. You know, this reminds me of something I wanted to ask a while back. We, um, when we did the petitions of the Our Father, and we talked about forgiving as we are forgiven, mm-hmm. um, and you mentioned something about forgiveness and reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Could you talk a little bit more about that? Because I remember <clears throat> thinking I wanted to ask that question, and now it's just coming up. But this idea that forgiveness can always happen in reconciliation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But well, like, talk about the difference of that. Would you? Yeah. Well, forgiveness, for, uh, re- reconciliation, always involves two people. Okay. If if you've harmed me, I need to forgive you, regardless of of you know. It's just because the Lord has forgiven me, I need to forgive you. Reconciliation needs two people that desire to be reconciled, that desire to come together, desire to have communion. I used to, and I probably said at this, I used to think everybody should be reconciled. Well, if one individual doesn't want to be reconciled or can't be reconciled, because I think sometimes the hurt is so profound, you can still forgive, but you know. You're not going to go with somebody who's who's continually hurt you and just go and have ice cream with them every right. weekend, right? So forgiveness, I need to be able to forgive them, forgive them for what they did, forgive them for the harm that they've caused. But whether or not I need to be or able to be, because it may not be possible, because two people need to both desire reconciliation, that may not be possible. Yeah, yeah. And that idea of forgiveness, I remember. Uh, I don't remember where I read this from, but well, certainly from scripture. I mean, the the scripture is kind of strong about like vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Yeah. Some of that is. Uh, not wishing you harm, allowing the Lord to be your judge, not me to be the judge, you know, like surrendering. Again, I, I, was, I was just bringing that up because I think particularly with such a sensitive thing as this, mm-hmm. I think sometimes we can confuse 
forgiveness for a reconciliation mm-hmm. in the mm-hmm. sense that mm-hmm. we would say, well, they hurt me. I'm all good now. Everything's fine. I should probably hug you yeah, because yeah, yeah. that's, no, that's not what Jesus possible. told me to do. That's and that's not, not what that's not forgiveness no, per se. No. I mean, that's great if the Lord can bring you to a place of healing like that. Yeah. But, but some people in our lives, to, we but can. the other person needs to be open to that as well, and that yeah. and that may not be possible. It's interesting. Yesterday's gospel about the weeds and the wheat. It's all going to be settled. Yeah, you know it is. It, yeah, it, you know he, he said, "Well, should we separate it now?" He goes, "No, don't separate it now because you may pull out weeds, and it's actually wheat, or vice versa." He said, "Don't worry about it. It's ultimately going to be settled." And, yeah, and I think that's important for us is that we can look around and we can, in our judgmental heart we can say, "Okay, they're weeds. They're wheat. Get rid of it." Right. It's going to happen. Yeah. You know, it's going to happen. This is all going to be worked out yeah. in the end. So. There will be justice. Yeah, yeah. There will be justice and mercy. Amen. Amen. And that's what we're, that's our hope. Amen. So let's continue to pray for the Holy Father's visit. Yeah. And, but the other part is, again, back to that letter I wrote when I was a young priest, this idea of penance is something that, that partly because my community is in order of penance, it's something that I've thought about and prayed about and, and actively done with fasting and, mm. and other means of penance that... That in in an individual, does it matter? Does it make a difference to all the harm that's been done across the board? A human against human, right? Maybe no, it does, but sometimes it doesn't feel like it's enough. Yeah. But we do, we each do what we can do. So maybe this week we can join the Holy Father and offer some type of penance, some type of um, prayer for the harm that's taken place to the people there. Yeah. Close us with prayer. Yeah. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have seen every sin ever committed and you still died on a cross for all of it. We thank you that you can bear the weight of our sin when in our own lives it would destroy us, not just our sin but the sin of others as they have sinned against us. And Lord God, we know that you are a God uh, of merciful love. And so we ask that you would change our hearts to be more like you. Give us the grace to love and show mercy beyond what we would be humanly capable of. I pray especially for any listener who is struggling with being wounded and being hurt, um, horribly so, by someone else, and that you would continue to give them grace to be able to let go of that hurt and to give it to you. And that's really what it is. It's that act of forgiveness is giving it to you, O God, that they might be freed of their burden. And especially when we pray for Pope Francis, we pray for Canadians, we pray for all the indigenous people of Canada that through these acts of penance and mercy, though they might seem small and insignificant compared to the wounds and the hurt that were caused, uh, they might see your face, they might know your love, and we might know more what it is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. May the blessing of Almighty God be upon all of you, he who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 God bless, Pop. Hey, God bless, Father. And thank you, everybody. Oh. Wrong one. <laughs> well, it's like, it's, I don't even know how to do it. It'll, That's great. It'll get there. Wait, where is it? I think the, the button's changed. Is it? Uh, wait, is it there? I found it. Yes. Oh, darn it. There we there go. There we go. <laughs> You know, I'd ask you to send me an email at hope at franciscan.edu, but I got a new computer and I'm still trying to figure out how it works. So if you sent me an email, that's awesome. I'll get to it. Send me another one. God bless. <laughs>